Hello and welcome to the Sandro Forte podcast. Over the many years I've been running a business, I've met many, many successful people, entrepreneurs, sports stars, celebrities, and dare I say, even royalty. So what makes a person successful? Do we know what success is? And the all-important question, can we create success for ourselves? This podcast series invites a diverse group of people to share their insights, their wisdom, and the things they've learned along the way. My next guest is nothing short of a superwoman, and that is a word I don't use lightly. Bianca Robinson, a Kiwi living a long, long way from home, is the CEO of CEO Sleepout, a charity uniting business leaders behind a call to end homelessness for good. Having gained a wealth of experience in several fields, Bianca focuses on trying to create a fairer and more equal society. What a calling in life. Uh, And dare I say, I hope this doesn't embarrass her, but what a lovely lady she is and uh, is doing really some extraordinary things. And I felt compelled to, to drag her screaming and kicking onto the Sandro Forte podcast. She didn't really come <laughs> screaming and kicking. She, uh, she did it willingly, which is lovely of her, because she's a busy lady, traveling yeah. the length and breadth of the country, doing some crazy things. Um, but we're gonna find out about those in a minute. So Bianca, uh, the lovely Bianca Robinson, thank you so much for joining us, finding the time, sharing, some extraordinary things, some some thoughts and the way you inspire people to take such incredible action that creates so much good for so many people. So um, I, I'm in awe already and we haven't even started speaking yet, but Bianca Robinson, thank you so much for joining us on the Sandro Forte oh podcast. You know, I'm delighted. I'm delighted to be here, Sandro, and um, kicking and screaming, no way. I was just absolutely, let's do this. It's fantastic. I love to get my message out there. So I'm, I, you know, really, really um, superwoman, no, but trying. Um, aspiring superwoman, might. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, I think we'll have to disagree on that one. But anyway, we'll, we'll, let, we'll let the listeners from around the world decide whether you are indeed a superwoman. I, I would suggest you probably are. Um, no now, I, I know a lot about you. Uh, but there will be many people listening, Bianca, that don't know a lot about you. So it might be a good place to start just to help them out with, you know, kind of like the CV. Because yeah. I think what's really extraordinary about anybody who does, you know, runs any kind of movement or is trying to change the world in a small way or in a big way. But you do something that is pretty unique. I've not come across it before. And I think it's extraordinary what you do. But it does beg the question, Why? But I guess we'll come on to talk about that in a moment. So just help all the listeners out, if you would, with, you know, Bianca Robinson's backstory, just so we know that journey that you've you've been on. Yeah, sure. Um, so I'm a Kiwi. I've lived in the northeast of Ling- England since um, the, the year 2002, so nearly 20 years. Um, and, you know, growing up in Wellington, New Zealand, I had never seen a rough sleeper ever. And I'm not saying it doesn't happen now because I know there is homelessness in New Zealand now, but when I first moved to London and the first time I came to London was 1997, it was really shocking to see how normalized it was just walking over rough sleepers at the tube station or on the strand. Um, And I also lived in Edinburgh and, you know, temperatures in Edinburgh in the winter can plummet to minus 10, 15 degrees. 
And there were the rough sleepers. And I just thought these, these people are not even going to make it through the night. So it really affected me. I thought this is not right. We are, I came here because it's a wealth of opportunities. You know, I also came for other reasons as well. And, and uh, falling in love with a fella from this neck of the woods was one of them. But do you know what? It, 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 was a, it was a stark contrast for a wealthy nation like the UK to have this level of inequality. So that just stayed with me. And it wasn't really my career in until, um, until four years ago, 2017. But I, I did start a business in Middlesbrough, a digital and creative, a web and creative agency. As managing director of that business, I was going out, I was winning business, I was putting the work through the process, turning out a great product, chasing the invoices. And actually, after five years, I actually found that that wasn't fulfilling my values base. You know, it was great to say, oh, I've achieved this. And it's, it, we, we grew year on year and we're in Middlesbrough in the, you know, we started in 2010. So it was right on the back of the Great Recession, um, it, it, the global financial crisis. But we, we made it, we made a go of it. But do you know what? I really was asking myself, where's the personal fulfillment here? And for somebody who has a little bit of ambition, but also really um, driven by um, making good things happen and doing good stuff in the world. It just wasn't really enough. And so, um, so with my expertise, I was then, I, I sort of moved into freelancing, consultancy and lecturing at Newcastle and York St. John. And at that time, the person who set up this charity, it wasn't me. Uh, his name is Andy Preston. He's now the elected mayor of Middlesbrough, but he, he set up the charity. He said, I really need help. He'd done it in his spare time on a volunteer, you know, and he and his PA on a voluntary basis grew it to, to where it was. And I think it had raised something like um, just under a million at that time um, nationally. He took me on to help with some of the marketing and comms and, and event management. And I said, well, I can give you sort of one to two days a week. <laughs> but, but within about two weeks, it had taken over my entire life. And, um, and so I was, I was appointed CEO at, um, at very early, I think 2018. So, so then it became my thing. Um, Andy Preston really was then left to do his thing as a mayor and, and I took it on. And, um, and to date we've raised 2.9 million pounds across the UK. From sleep out events, we, we, we ask business leaders to come and actually spend a night out. Uh, we spend nights out in really great venues like Lord's Cricket Ground, Emirates Old Trafford, St. James Park, Newcastle, everywhere from Northumberland to Portsmouth. Um, and when I've got that captive audience of business leaders, I really encourage them to use the power and the opportunity they have. But really, the events are about the fundraising and we distribute those funds to frontline charities dealing with people who are homeless or at risk. That is absolutely amazing. Um, credit to you and, and everyone you work with uh, and, and the message you're, you're taking to so many people. Um, and doing so much good in the process really is quite awe-inspiring. Your, your journey in life hasn't been straightforward, Bianca, has it? Um, and, you know, you can tell as much or as little as you like, but um, how, do you, how, do you, how do you deal with, you know, the, the challenges of life? Because I, I want to talk to you in a moment about, um, I think you used the words personal fulfilment, and, and I think I come across a lot of people and we get loads and loads of emails from people listening to this podcast who say, I, I'm really passionate. I, I've kind of got my values, as, as the word you mentioned. I know what I want to do, just can't seem to get it done. I can't seem to no. get out of bed, metaphorically, to, 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 
to go through that process to take me to a place that I really truly passionately want to be. How how do you, you I don't know, you seem to find it quite easy. Um, was it driven entirely by passion? Is there a process that you go through? How what advice would you give to people who have got a desire to do something, whether it's a, a career move or getting out of debt or you know, doing something amazing like you do. How, how do people kind of start that process? You have to decide that what you, that's what you want. So you have to, um, you know, everything starts in the mind and, and body first, doesn't it? You, you kind of think, oh gosh, you know, something's not right here. What would be right? And start, you know, you start feeling around in your, 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 your mind and you kind of visualize the kind of life you would like. And I did. And the funny thing is, is when I was, managing director at Calm Digital in Middlesbrough, Andy Preston worked in the building that we operated in. And he, and 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 as, you know, the boss of a, a charity, he hadn't set up CEO at the time, he had the Middlesbrough and Teesside Philanthropic Foundation. And I said to him, I said, you know, like, I, I sort of expressed this fact that I was feeling unfulfilled to him. And he just sort of nodded and went, oh yeah, whatever. And, <laughs> and I thought it had gone over his head, but you know, like, four or five years later that's when he contacted me and so once you've decided what you want then you I guess keep a half an eye out for the opportunities that come your way and then you use your discernment are they right or aren't they right and I was at a time in my life when the cat the CEO sleep out thing came along I was like yeah I could do a bit of this you know it was just and and I realized that it just tapped into all the things I felt about society that it, it's it's diverging in quite a dangerous way between the haves and the have nots. And so I thought, and at the time, you know, the message wasn't for business leaders to say, what's within your power and your gift to change? It was just, let's raise money and we'll give it to charities who need it. But I thought, hang on, there is a shift in the way we're doing business in terms of capitalism. There is a movement towards this kind of more altruistic returning value, not just to shareholders, but you know, it's this idea about this measure of success, Sandro. Can you really call yourself a success if you're returning profit to shareholders on the backs of low paid workers? For example, Jeff Bezos. Mm. And we go, he went to space and he, he came back and he actually said the words, I want to thank all my employees because you paid for this. I thought, how disgusting, <laughs> really, how despicable to actually flaunt the fact that you've exploited your employees so that you can do this vanity project that has no benefit to anyone, any person, any family, any community, any bit of society, or the environment, in fact, it's massively damaging, but your own ego. I just, <laughs> it's just anathema to me. And so my, so that's just to illustrate the point, you know, I think the new version of success is, yes, you return profits, you're proud of the success you've had, um, you know, you're rewarded for the blood, sweat and tears you've put into some, to growing an enterprise, but also you're adding value to your employees, the families of those employees, their communities and the community, you know, the ecosystem you operate in, society and the environment. That is the true measure of success. That's kind of my underscore message. So on the back of that, then it's what can you do? So I say, if you can, for example, pay a living wage, if you're in a position where you can pay a living wage, pay it. If you can take on apprentices from hard to reach groups, do that. 
If you can ensure that all your suppliers can get paid in 30 days, commit to doing that. Um, so there's loads of things that seem like small tweaks um, that somebody can do that actually has a ripple effect and actually the whole ecosystem becomes healthier. People are able to thrive more. Um, you know, families can put food on the table without stressing out. In the case of Amazon, you know, is this just a rumor or is it true that he, you know, people pee into water bottles because they're not allowed time off the shop floor? I mean, if that is the truth, that is a despicable way to do business. Mm. But anyway, my message is, what can you do? And it's just sometimes like unlocking that aha moment in these business owners, because they have the power. Half the time, um, They've, they've grown their business by flying by the seat of their pants. And it's all, it is all about, you know, that turnover and making sure that they're, yeah. they're, they're sustainable enough to survive. But there comes a point where they can actually start making these decisions. And I've had businesses who said, yeah, we've become living wage accredited because of what you said at the CEO sleep out. And that just is to me, that's, that's brilliant. That's me, my message working. And I, and I guess on the subject of, of message, Bianca, a lot of people say, well, you know, I can't make a difference. One person isn't going to make a difference. But the trouble is, if we all adopt that attitude, nothing happens. And I think, you know, you're you're the living embodiment of somebody who has, you know, taken something quite embryonic. Great respect to, to Andy Preston. But you've taken something embryonic and you've made it, you know, the reach has become greater. The impact has become more, more obvious. Um, and, and I think on behalf of everyone listening, we, we can't do anything other than salute what you what you do. Um, at the same time, you know, I know that successful outcomes aren't linear. They, they don't happen in the way that we want them to happen when we want them to happen. And there are some bumps and challenges along the way. How, yeah. do, you, how do you deal with you know, either the CEO uh, sleep out challenges that you have or any personal obstacles that you've had to deal with? How, how do you deal with the day-to-day -day stuff that isn't positive? Yeah, so this is a big bigger question than you may think it is, or <laughs> the bigger answer. Um, I think my personal life has shown me that life is always going to throw you a curveball, and you have to be flexible and resilient, and those are two qualities that, you know, I've had to learn to cultivate in myself. Um, I fell pregnant with twins at 24 after meeting you know after knowing their dad for only five weeks it was like that is one of life's major curveballs and at that time I was living in Edinburgh and I said to Greg I said you know I've got to go home I've got to be around family to do this big big job that's been you know bestowed on me of, be, of, of being mum to twins and I understand if you don't feel like we've had enough you know covered enough ground to, for you to make that commitment to come with me but I'd love you to and he went yeah absolutely I'm in um so we did that and we were flexible we went to New Zealand we were there for two years we came back to the northeast uh, because his family then were here and he felt that that he needed their support as well so we gave this a go and here I still am 20 years later um but that that's one example of major curveball and you have to roll with that you have to roll with the punches the second massive thing in my life was breast cancer last year I mean it, what a, hmm. uh, I don't know if I can swear but uh, <laughs> you can say it. If, it, if it helps you to swear you can swear but actually what that is is then you just go okay I'm going to deal with it here's the plan here's the way we roll with this um, and you you just take the steps, you do the steps, and it, and it's actually 
it's all good. It becomes a life experience. And 12 months on from that, now I can talk about it without it feeling any, without feeling any emotional weight around that because I'm I'm through the treatment and I'm through, you know, I'm clear, have a 12-month clear mammogram. That's all good. Um, with CEO sleep out, so that some of the, I guess some of that resilience and flexibility, I really had to put into play last year because we are an events charity. We raise our money through doing events and 2020 just, you know, obliterates your ability to do any anything in a group, any events-based stuff. Um, I had a budget of, I thought I was probably going to get between half a million and 800,000 in funds raised in 2020. That was my budget. We had to just redline all of that. Um, but I thought, what can I do? My, my audience is normally business owners and business leaders. But what if I threw open um, the opportunity to just every compassionate person that wanted to sleep out and do something good um, for others who, who weren't as fortunate? And so I set up a virtual sleep out event in the summer of last year called the big, uh, what was it called? The, the stay at home sleep out, where basically people just were in backyards across the UK raising, just to try and raise a hundred quid each, raising money. Um, and from that, we were able to denote, donate significant funds. I think 15,000 to Trussell Trust, 6,000 to Fair Share, um, and then bits and pieces to charities right across the country that got involved. Um, and it was just a fantastic, you know, 37,000 was raised at that one one event. And since then, the virtual events have raised over 125,000. So wow. that, was a, that was, I guess, a pivot, a bit of flexibility, a bit of innovation on our part. What can we do? Because last year, charities really needed our help. They were really, really, they did an amazing job of pulling rough sleepers in, but there's, there's all kinds of other, you know, that's the tip of a very large iceberg when it comes to homelessness. So there's all sorts of other things. Domestic violence, we funded a, a, quite a lot of um, DV charities. Um, uh, young people who have been sofa surfing, YMCA was picking up a lot of, of, of that. So there, there was a lot going on last year that we didn't see. What we just saw was rough sleepers coming off the streets and into hotels as a temporary fix. Yeah. Um, but that's another conversation, and that was a, that was one good thing. But it just shows us that rough sleeping can be solved. We can solve it. It just hasn't been a reason to get stuck into that until now. Yeah, you're right, and and you know one of the reasons why I was so interested to speak with you today um, is because I think having considered um, some of the things I was going to talk to you about. This obvious parallel in life and business between—I uh, I don't want to—I don't want to create a stereotype here—but uh, you've got the the CEO, whether that is somebody in a in a Armani suit and a and a tie or a Karen Millen dress, and one minute they're sitting behind a desk in this plush office with with a marble staircase outside, and the next minute they're sleeping in a doorway on a on a piece of cardboard. Um, and I guess the parallel, Bianca, is that a lot of people find transition in life difficult because on the face of it, it feels uncomfortable. So you are taking people and putting them in an uncomfortable place, right? I guess. Yeah. I'm interested to know that the CEOs that, that sleep out, that, that sleep rough as part of this fundraising exercise, what are the experiences? What's the journey that you find they go through and the feedback that you receive? Well, I'm asking this question because I think there's a lot of people based on your answer that will kind of go, do you know what? Maybe I should give this a go. I'm, I'm trying to, I'm trying to dismantle the obvious barrier. People go, oh, you know, 
Sleeping rough, couldn't think of anything worse. The biggest barrier to it is people are ashamed of their snoring. Honestly, (laughs) (laughs) when I say to them, if you think you don't snore, you're wrong. You think, do you know what I mean? Because everybody, everybody snores. And it's no big deal. It's just no big deal. It's just part of the experience and it's fine. Um, But but really, um, what I can do is we, so I've got to be honest, not everybody will sign up for the most altruistic reasons. So... So some of the hooks might be you get the publicity from it. There's a kind of a networking opportunity for those people who still gain value from rubbing shoulders with other movers and shakers. Um, there's looking like the good guy at the top of the organization doing something cool, you know, lead it, setting an example to your workforce and your staff. There's all kinds of other reasons. Sometimes they're ego driven that somebody might do a sleep out, but the, once they're there, the magic happens and we are able to wave that magic wand over them without sledgehammering and ramming home, you know, any of this. It just happens organically because they hear from people who've actually had lived experiences. Some of the stories that people will tell really unlock huge compassion and understanding. Um, The charities talk about what they do and how hard they work. And that really, uh, you know, opens people's eyes to what's going on out there on on the front line. Um, and then they get in their sleeping bags and they go out and they, 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 they spend that night out. We do it in the winter, Sandro, because we, you know, we, we don't want it to be easy. I don't promise anybody a good night's sleep. Um, and, and I guess, you know, you get people who at three in the morning are recording videos going, wow, I never thought I'd find it this tough. Um, just imagine if I had to do this every, every night of my life. Yeah. And, and then at three o'clock the next day, we do it on a work day. So they go to work quite often the next day. And, you know, in that afternoon slump, they're sitting at their desk going, wow, you know, the expectations we have of somebody who lives a chaotic life and can't find a safe place to sleep are way too high. That's the realization I think that happens. And I think we are able to unlock that level of compassion um, on the night. So. So, so there's a transformation that happens. And then I just want to um, kind of strike while the iron's hot, while people are feeling that open-heartedness towards um, people who go through that situation, say, well, here's an opportunity for you to actually really make a difference. And just think about the ways you do businesses, the policies and procedures that you bake in that can actually make life better for people and solve some of these issues and create a healthier, more thriving and fairer society. And what do you say, Bianca, to the sceptics? I'm going to deal with this one just because I think we have yeah. to. But what, what do you say to the sceptics who say, oh, well, people who are homeless, it's a choice. You know, they're, they're, they're not there because, you know, life's dealt them the wrong card. They're there because they can't be bothered to get a job. And I, 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 there's a big, long list of reasons why I hear people turn their nose up when they walk past somebody who's, who's sleeping in a doorway. What do you say to those people? Because that's that's driven by ignorance. But I mean, you're you're qualified to comment on that. So I'd, I'd kind of like you to give your your view on 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 the doubting Thomases. Really, I think what what's really important to keep in front of your mind is that every person is an individual, unique human being with their own story, their own backstory, their own life story. Um, 
And you you just cannot say all rough sleepers want to be. Oh, who would want? Who would want to be there? I mean, are you who who is anyone kidding? Um, but sometimes the options become very very limited for people who have had to rough sleep and then had to find and tough out a life. Um, for example, on the streets, you know, it's mental health, it's inability to cope with day to day pressure. Um, addiction problems as a result of trying to to self-medicate I guess probably um loads of low you know PTSD loads of loads of issues that make it very very difficult for someone to function on their own so you could plonk somebody in an apartment and say get on with your life and they would just fall apart because the the, the coping mechanisms for whatever has sent them spiraling in the first place need to be dealt with so there's a scheme called Housing First, which has been trialed in Finland and has wiped out homelessness. And we are trialing Housing First in certain cities in the UK as well. But it requires a lot of resource because it requires a secure home for somebody. But it also requires people to work with that person to help them manage their life and their day-to-day -day issues. And um, But if we could find the resource for that, that would be transformative for homelessness in the UK. Because it would mean that we get, we get a roof over everybody's head and we give them, we equip them with the tools to be able to function in society. So when somebody is unable to function in society, that they actually work out a way to function locked out of society. Yeah. And then that becomes their, their kind of home, their support network. If you talk to people who've lived on the streets, there's a kind of a family that that happens um, and there's a lot of distrust uh, when it comes to certain services because they haven't worked that however many times you've got to be a person with great tenacity to keep going back to services and hoping this one will work for you. So there's a lot, it's so, so complex, the rough sleeping side, but also there's this idea that, you know, it's not just rough sleepers, it's mums with kids. There's, the end of the eviction ban is going to cause huge social problems because you've then got ordinary people who thanks to COVID have lost the ability to pay their rent and the landlords are just going to go Oof, get out where do they go where can they afford mm. we don't have social housing because the social housing stock was sold off for rent to buy so we don't have enough social housing we don't have enough secure accommodation people are going into kinds of all kinds of crazy garages shipping containers <laughs> it's not right it's not right we just need actual housing um and we have the housing but we just don't have the ability to access it so there's so many homes in london that could be used um for people who have been homeless or yeah. homelessness but they're land banks they're not actual properties for use so we we just need to work out a way to to create Housing is the first and foremost thing. And then it's that support, it's mental health, understanding addictions, understanding um, uh, understanding veterans and, and their, their needs and young people and, and their needs and zero hours contracts. And you honestly, once you, if you had the kind of mind map of all the things that contribute to homelessness, it's vast and massive. Mm. So it's a big job. And you say, well, why isn't anybody just, we can solve it. PricewaterhouseCoopers, PwC, ran the figures and it costs society or the government less to solve homelessness, wipe it out completely than it does to allow it to continue. So why is it continuing? And I think it's because it's hard basket and it 
involves too many things linking together or working together, and that's too hard. Yeah, that's a worrying fact, I have to say. And hopefully people listening to this will, will, will get behind what you're trying to do. Um, and if nothing else, they're, they're better educated now than they were before, which is part of the reason why we have these podcasts. How do you, how do you motivate a CEO, a highly paid CEO, flies around, flies around in his or her own helicopter, uh, got, got, got a million things going on, not all CEOs drive, fly around in helicopters. Let me just be clear about that. But just giving you a, a for instance, how do you motivate them to sleep rough for a night? Uh, well, it's, it's, it is really a hustle. <laughs> it is a hustle. It's, um, it's getting the message out there. It's using people you know who've done it to help you spread the word. Um, and it's, it, it's getting some really great names on the board early doors so that people think, oh, gosh, so-and-so's doing it, you know. We've, we've currently for London on the 22nd of November at Lord's Cricket Ground. We've got a director at the Cabinet Office. You know, we've got a director from Iconic Hotels. That's the Mayfair House and things like that. So mm. there's, there's some gorgeous people coming to that event already. And so we just hope that there's a snowball effect. And we usually get 100 really great um, high high hitters, um, but my target market's not necessarily your PLC CEO. Um, for PLCs, we're working with the HSBC to deliver a big HSB sleepout nationwide. So we'll Amazing. work with those PLCs to actually do their own to do their own thing. Yeah. Um, but for a CEO sleepout, it's usually a mover and shaker in the enterprise space or the SME space, and they still find that huge value about of being. Um, being amongst other movers and shakers, you know, and rubbing shoulders with other other like-minded um, people. So yeah, it's really, it's really a cool, it's really a cool thing. And people, you you end up speaking to people you never ever thought you'd come up against at sort of three in the morning and <laughs> having amazing wow. conversations. It's great, really is great. Well, I'm gonna t- I'm gonna take this opportunity and and bearing mind I'm making this statement publicly to a lot of people. I'm gonna commit to join you at the first opportunity and i'm going to sleep out with you for not with you obviously i think greg would have something to say about that but um <laughs> sleep out the first opportunity um I, I think i might well be free on the 22nd of november so we will make that happen in london and i'm also going to commit to make a donation from our charitable foundation to ceo sleep out um as a thank you for being a lovely podcast guest that's not the end of the podcast i just i'm just making that comment as an aside <laughs> This is so great. This is so great. This is so great. This is fantastic. This is, this is why these this is why these uh, podcasts are so well received because random <laughs> things happen, and usually, usually to me. Um, so, a couple of couple of final questions, Bianca, because I'd love to talk to you some more, and I'm sure we will. Uh, what we may well have to do is maybe get you back for a part two after my experience on the 22nd Ooh, of November. Fantastic um, idea. That, that might be a good idea. So, anyway, um, before we get to that that point. First question is, how do our subscribers, how do our listeners from all around the world find out more about you? Website presence, social media. This is your opportunity to lay it on the line and tell us how we connect with you. Sure thing. Head to ceosleepout.co.uk. All the events are listed there across the country that we've got running this year. And um, so basically look at the one that's nearest in the city near you and get get yourself signed up to that. There's also kind of a blog which talks about, you know, some of the things we go through, some of the things we see that need talking about. Um, 
And, and yeah, there's great, there's loads of great information on there too. So, so the website's the main hub. We also have, uh, we've, we're active on Twitter and Instagram. So CEO Sleep Out UK, just Google all of that and, and that will pop up. Um, yeah, no, I'm just, I'm, I'm overwhelmed, Sandra, that you're, I'm delighted that you're coming on board. The London Sleep Out on the 22nd of November is going to be so fantastic because it opens up with an exhibition, a photography exhibition by a photographer called Mark Davenant, who worked with Shelter to create um, a piece called Outsiders. So it depicts people who uh, have been homeless and tells their story. And he's also going to be speaking. We've got Kerry Douglas, who uh, wrote a book from um, pavements to parliament, who was from Gateshead, but ended up on the streets of Westminster homeless at 13. So from the ages of 13 to 22, she's today put on Facebook that she started her own business. Just today, wow. Wow. she's going to talk at London. That is honestly, when you hear her story, it's mind blowing. Um, and, and we've got loads of other um, charities. I'm talking with Josh Coombs, uh, who's the hairdresser to the, the homeless. You might have heard of him. Mm -hmm. uh, hopefully he's coming on board uh, to talk. So it's going to be a really interesting and I guess um, mind altering, hopefully, event. And I, oh. do think, I do think when you have art as well, um, one of the things I like to do is bring, bring art into my messaging a bit more because art can deliver a punch to the gut where facts and figures just can't reach. Mm. I think whenever I can, whenever I use photography, poetry, we had a play at Durham Cathedral, a 30 minute play that told a story about food bank use. And, you know, it really, really does tend to kind of unlock a lot more understanding when you use art to tell the story. So I want to do that a lot more. Well done. Absolutely fantastic. Final question, Bianca. Uh, if you were speaking to a younger version of yourself, one of the twins, uh, and that individual said to you, based on all of your amazing experiences of life, that the highs, the lows, the things that have worked out well and the things that haven't, the personal challenges and the euphoria and all that stuff that you've learned along the way. If there were just one thing, the, the one piece of advice that, that kind of sits above all of the others, that if you could live your life to no other rule, it would just be this one, what would it be? Don't be afraid to try and fail. So it's this idea that failure, the idea of possibility of failure can prevent so much from happening. Love that. That's a lovely way to finish a great podcast. I've, I've had my eyes opened. I, I like to think I'm fairly in touch with societal issues. Um, spoke with a, a homeless lad uh, a few months back in London took the opportunity to buy him a sandwich and we spent a couple of minutes of talking. And what was really profound was after we finished speaking, he said, you're the only person that's noticed me today. And what he meant by that was so many people might walk by and toss a coin into his cup or whatever it was, but no one ever took the trouble to notice that he was there. And I think as a society, we, we don't notice enough. And um, what's extraordinary about what you're doing is I think you're really opening people's eyes to what is, what is a solvable, to use your word from earlier, a real solvable problem, but nevertheless, it is still a big problem and we need to do something about it. So hopefully this podcast today will help in its own little way to support the work that you're doing, the amazing work you're doing. Uh, Sue, who's listening to this, I'm sure my, my diary, uh, my wonderful diary lady and, and all the other things she does will now be shaking her head going, oh my God, he's just committed to the 22nd of November. Yes! Uh, <laughs> um, 
but I, I am in, I, I, in a weird way I'm looking forward to it so um not least because we get the opportunity to meet in person I know um, that'd be fabulous but Bianca thank you so much for being a really wonderful guest um on a personal note really delighted that your challenges your health challenges um I've dealt with and, and are looking more positive that's terrific because thank we all want you to carry on doing the amazing things you're doing so uh, thank you for being a great guest um look forward to seeing you in a in a short while um but for now thank you for being a great Sandro Forte podcast guest and thank you so much for having me on it's just been superb thank you